I'm just seeing this as live. I just realised that I'm actually live on screen here. Uh, I don't know if you noticed what happened there, Andrew, but uh, my entire machine completely crashed uh, and the whole computer rebooted. So I have no idea what's gone on in the last 10 minutes or 30 seconds. Uh, but there we go. Technology. Who would have it here? I didn't notice. <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> well, hopefully hopefully nobody else did either. We've got a few people tuning in now. So if there was any uh, issues going on there, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and apologies for that, uh, it literally, my computer decided that it was having none of this and uh, decided to uh, make itself uh, unavailable <laughs> for a brief moment, which was fun. Um, but I think it's fixed now. I think we're live. All, all is looking good to me. Um, and I'm, I'm delighted to have you alongside, Andrew. Really appreciate you joining us. Uh, if you haven't listened to VUX World before, this is the podcast where we dive deep into the field of voice AI, conversational AI. And we find the brightest minds in the industry, the people who are pushing the boundaries and leading the way. And we pick their brains about how they do what they do so that you in the industry, designers, developers, strategists can do what you do even better. And joining me today is Andrew Richards, of Soundhound. Andrew, welcome to VOX World and thank you for persevering with the technical hiccups just then. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. I was actually just um, looking at those uh, two pictures of us with much shorter hair than we have now. So yeah, <laughs> looks like we have yeah. that in common. Yeah, my... Um... It kind of happened a bit accidentally with me. I sort of, uh, I thought I want to set myself a bit of a long-term goal, uh, less immediate gratification. And so stop cutting your hair whenever it starts doing your head in and just see how long it can go uh, without cutting it, basically. So that, that's my story. I don't know what your story is around the, uh, the long hair, Andrew. Kind of the same as well. So, I mean, I used to get my hair cut when I had a meeting or I was traveling somewhere, you know, with business trips. And do you, do you remember business trips? Kind of, kind <laughs> of, yeah. They're a bit of a distant memory, but I do, rem I do recall yeah. them at some point, yeah. Yeah, so I haven't had any for the last 18 months, and this is what happens, right? It just, just keeps growing. It does, it does, it does. Everyone's had that bit of a trend, but then uh, as lockdown kind of started to cease, people started to, uh, you know, get themselves back to the barbers, but I thought, no, I'm going to see how long I can get it. And I don't know if you can see this, because it's a bit of a black background, but and I didn't grow it for this, for this reason either. Uh, I was in the garden about a week and a half ago, and my wife just ran up behind me and grabbed it and put it into this kind of style ponytail thing as a joke. <laughs> And I thought, I thought, I'm just going to go with that. Fine. You know what I mean? So there you go. That's, that's, that's what I do now. Yeah. I'm not quite there yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, welcome and, and welcome everyone joining us. Uh, this is going to be an interesting topic. I'm, I'm, I'm dying to get into this, uh, into this subject and I'm delighted uh, to have you along, Andrew. Uh, and appreciate appreciate you joining us. There's probably people who are tuning in if they've listened to VUX World before. We have had Soundhound on once in the past. We had Mike Zagorsek, uh, and we were talking about uh, how voice AI is disrupting different types of industries. And so there's there's listeners who are tuning in who will be familiar with Soundhound. There may be a few that are not familiar with Soundhound. So maybe we should start in the typical podcasting fashion, which is Andrew, tell us a bit about yourself about your role as Director of Business Development at Soundhound, and thirdly, a little bit about Soundhound as well. Um, sure, yeah, so, um, so yeah, I'm Andrew Richards. I'm Director of uh, Business Development at Soundhound for Europe. I'm, I'm based in France. I've been with the company for just over two years now. Um, I've spent the past 20, yeah, just over 20 years working in the voice technology industry. A majority of that time was spent um, working with text-to-speech technology, so speech uh, synthesis, um, uh, working on you know, multiple custom voice uh, projects, 
some being pretty kind of uh, down to earth um, stuff like um, uh, passenger, passenger information for um, railway companies, uh, some more kind of exciting and fun projects like singing text-to-speech and hip-hop text-to-speech voices for um, marketing campaigns for, for, for brands like Coca-Cola and FedEx. Um, uh, some more kind of life-changing um, uh, um, text-to-speech projects like the Children's Voices. So that's a project that I led uh, a few years ago um, with a partner where we built the first um, children's uh, text-to-speech voices built for and by children. So that's for um, uh, physically handicapped and uh, autistic children. So I, I guess you're familiar with Lost Voice Guy, Um because uh, I think he's from around your neck of the woods. Uh, so it's, it's essentially like an iPad or kind of tablet application that allows people to communicate. And so if, if they, they, they don't if they don't have the ability to talk, they can use pictograms and things like that and use a synthetic voice to speech uh, to speak. Sorry. Um, I'm also a musician. I think you can probably tell that from some of the gear around here. Uh, so I produce music, um, perform it, uh, release it with a with my own record label. So I've you know, played hundreds of shows. Um, all over Europe. Um, so I spend a lot of time in recording studios, um, doing, um, uh, you know, uh, working with cables, microphones, and all sorts of you know audio-related stuff on, on music side. Managed to get, I actually managed to get one gig in uh, last month in uh, Barcelona. That was the first in eighteen months. So it's uh, you know wow. good to kind of get back on the road and on stage and do a sound check and everything. Um, yeah. Um, and I guess last but not least, I, I studied linguistics at university, um, which of course in, in our world is really you know, important for things like NLP, NLU. Um, so yeah, I've, I've spent kind of more, more than half of my life working on audio, uh, language and uh, speech uh, technology. So. Um, so yes, yeah, so that means you know working for a company like Soundhound, who you know we're, we're active in both music technology, uh, audio, and, and speech. It's uh, it was kind of like a perfect fit for me to to, to work for Soundhound. Nice, and it's, it's interesting because you, there's there's a few people who who you'll come across in in the kind of voice AI industry who've got that kind of linguistics background. Then there's a few who you'll come across who've got the audio background. Very few you'll find who've got linguistics and audio mixed together. So you must have, it sounds like you've got a fairly unique kind of background there, unique set of skills, very particular set of skills in the voice of Liam Neeson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely helpful. The the linguistic stuff really does help, you know, understand the the technology behind it. And of course, the the, the audio side is is helpful, especially in this discussion. Um, So, you know, hopefully I can provide some valuable information um, on on this. so yes, so you mentioned so obviously Soundhound as as a company. So I think we've you know, we've been on the podcast before. Um, so very briefly, Soundhound has been around for fifteen years. Uh, we're active in uh, in the speech technology, uh, natural language understanding, and uh, sound and music recognition space. Uh, we have three um, main products. So Soundhound is the one that we're you know pretty well known for. It's the um, music recognition uh, app for um, uh, iOS and, and Android. Uh, so essentially, it can help you identify recorded music or live music or someone whistling or, or, or singing. So you know, helping 
you identify a song that's kind of stuck in your head, for example. Um, we have Hound, which is uh, um, a voice assistant app for smartphone uh, for the for North America. So it's currently limited to North America. And our main focus today is Houndify. So it's a, an, an, um, a platform which allows uh, you know companies, developers, brands to build their own custom uh, voice assistant. Uh, you know, we provide the wake word technology, speech recognition. Uh, we have our own form of NLU, and, and we you know we have a, a text to speech. We have embedded technology. And uh, all of this is kind of based on a breakthrough um, technology called speech to meaning. And, and we also have things like deep meaning understanding. So I, I can go through some of that if it's, uh, um, if it's useful as well. Um, we work with car manufacturers, you know, companies like Stellantis, Daimler, Hyundai, um, and Honda. Uh, we also work with um, companies in the entertainment and uh, IoT space or you know, smart home, um, such as uh, Pandora, Snap, um, uh, Vizio, Sky, and, and, and Deutsche Telekom. And, and more recently, we've been uh, active in the uh, QSR space, so quick service restaurants. Um, so we've been working with MasterCard as a, as a partner with uh, um, restaurants like White Castle to um, uh, voice enable their um, drive-through uh, kiosks. And uh, the um, uh, the f- like food ordering space is something that we're really focusing on uh, the, this year. And, and that comes with uh, you know a bunch of uh, acoustic challenges that you know that we have to kind of work on as well. So um, so yeah, o- over the years we've uh, I think learned a lot about um, you know how to manage uh, uh, noisy environments when it comes to you know custom voice assistants in different uh, different contexts. Hmm. Interesting, and and it's something that's gonna. Uh, I just caught myself saying interesting there, uh, <laughs> and I'll just kind of I'll, I'll point this out because uh, somebody shared on LinkedIn uh, quite quite humorously that you should have a drinking game when listening to VOX World podcast and have a drink every time I say the word interesting, and so I've brought myself a pint of vodka today. Uh, so there's one for me. And uh, so, so, but I think what we're gonna see and and. Most people will know voice assistant technologies from uh, the uh, voice assistants like Alexa, Google Assistant, etc. And the smart speakers were the things that um, that kind of, I suppose, kicked off the the hype, if you like, around uh, around this kind of technology. Obviously, SoundHound was working on this technology probably either at the same time or before then. I know it's got you know more than a ten year history in in those kind of audio recognition models for identifying music and stuff like that. Um, but really, voice hasn't really left the home as much as we might have thought it has. I mean, SoundHound is probably one example of a company and Nuance as well, perhaps. Really, the only companies who've been doing voice assistance outside to any kind of degree. I know that Google will say through through Google um, Android Auto and Amazon Echo Auto and things like that. But those really feel a little bit more like nascent kind of use cases not every car has alexa in it for example so soundhound have got experience in doing this stuff in practice in the field over quite a period of time and so we'll probably get into some of the lessons perhaps that you've learned but um it's interesting how you must be fairly mature as far as being able to manage specifically speech recognition and voice in, in noisy environments. I wonder if you can just give us a bit of a, you've mentioned it a, a little bit there in terms of quick service restaurants, but a flavor for the kind of environments that you've had to work in outside of the home. Yeah, so you mentioned automotive, so that's outside of the home and there are some acoustic challenges there. So I know you wanted to specifically talk about that. So you know, I can kind of put that aside for the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but the smartphone leaves the home. 
and uh, you know you use a smartphone in different environments um, and uh, um, so I mean you, you mentioned the uh, uh, the kind of echo devices and everything and I think the the breakthrough that they had when that was released wasn't necessarily the voice technology it was the microphone uh, um, arrays that they put in and you know the the, the ability to to capture the far field audio from that and and so uh, that was I think the thing that really wasn't working in, in, in that environment at the time that they managed to figure out um, uh, but yeah I'd say first of all like smartphones um, we have our hound app but we also power apps like Pandora uh, so people are listening to music in, in, in the background. Uh, people use their you know smartphones on the go in trains, um, uh, in their cars, in the street, and so on. So all of that background noise goes into the the, the microphone of the of the smartphone. So you know that uh, that's kind of where we started with uh, uh, with uh, our experience with uh, managing you know different uh, sources of noise, um, and where it gets you know really complicated and uh, uh, and hard to handle is is definitely in the automotive industry where there's engine noise. Um, uh, you know the the various depending on the speed of the car um um and uh you know, you've got the kids in the back screaming and uh, uh you know people honking their horns uh, uh the the noise from you know the the, the wheels you know actually rolling on the surface of the roads that, that can change so there are so many different parameters that can change in, in in terms of the noise that you get in a car environment um and uh obviously the car models change and the microphones that they use are, are not always the same so uh, so we we have a very custom approach uh, to how we work with our car manufacturers hmm um, I'll, I'll say interesting again because <laughs> someone's having a drink somewhere. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> How much of it, we'll get into some of the challenges, but on the topic of microphones, when you're working with a, a car manufacturer, for example, do you have any influence over the choice of the microphone? Because the microphone is, is the very beginning point, isn't it? It's fair enough to, to do some stuff with the technology when we when we get a signal, but the, the absolute first part of call, the very first thing that a voice will touch is the microphone. So do you have any any influence, any insight, any kind of involvement in microphone selection in not just the car, but in other environments that you're working with clients in? So when it comes to car manufacturers, not really. So, the, so you know, those uh, when you say microphone, generally it's microphones, uh, uh, plural, and uh, or an array of uh, of microphones in, in the car. Um, so no, we don't really have um, much influence in terms of the microphones uh, uh, that that they use. Um, and uh, obviously, when you're talking about a smartphone, uh, you know we can't influence Apple or, or or any of the other manufacturers when it comes to the microphones they have. You know they they, they have whatever they have, and and you know, we just have to deal with it. There are some projects where where they, we are uh, you know, we 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 get to speak to the customer before they've actually designed the hardware. Um, and in those cases, we can talk about microphones and uh, uh, and um, and provide some advice. And so, you know, the main advice, and we can, I think, we'll get into kind of more detail on on this um, as we kind of progress through the discussion. Uh, the key is microphones, right? It's, it's having an array of microphones so that you can you can get several um, uh, sources um, uh, and, and send the the cleanest one to to the speech recognition engine. Yeah, and and on on the mics, we may as well stick with the mics, given that we're given that we're on the mics. So now, yeah. obviously, with your music background, you will you will have a wide knowledge of different types of microphones. There's dynamic microphones, condenser microphones. Each microphone has a different polar pattern, which is the how it picks up the the sound and and, and how sensitive it is and all that kind of stuff. I'm wondering whether have you got any 
um, advice or any tips or anything like that for someone who is looking to create a voice assistant in an outside environment when it comes to mic choice? Because it's not just like grabbing one of these mics and shoving it behind an infotainment system, is it? It's a totally different situation as far as the mics are concerned. Well, you've seen the size of this thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't just stick it onto a, onto a smart speaker and expect it to work. Um, so, so first of all, I mean, there are, there are companies that specialize in this. So there's like Infineon and uh, ST Micro. Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones, like Nulls, for example. Um, and uh, there, there has been a bit of a kind of um, a revolution or breakthrough with microphones. It's with the MEMS microphone. So I think it's um, microelectromechanical systems microphones. So they're kind of similar to condenser microphones. So the actual like the part that actually takes the sound uh, as an input, um, there's nothing kind of revolutionary about it. It's, 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 it's like the microphones we have here. There's like a, um, um, you know, air goes into it. You've got a, a, a plate that vibrates and it turns it into an electrical signal. And, and then depending on whether it's a digital or um, analog microphone, you know, it, it then either converts it or, or sends it directly to like a memory buffer or something so that you can then send that audio to... Uh, to, to to the application, so or the you know the speech recognition engine. Uh, so these MEMS microphones, first of all, they're really cheap. You, you, that's that's why you can put an array of like seven. I think you know, the Echo devices have like seven or nine microphones in them. Mm. Um, most most cars nowadays nowadays are putting like three or four microphones in in, in, in an array. So it's like one kind of um, circuit board with the microphones in, in, in embedded into them. Um, I think they cost like a couple of dollars each. So mm. you know. Price-wise, it's 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 fine. Um, the signal-to-noise ratio, so uh, that's something we can put aside if if you want, so we can discuss you know what what that means. Um, is pretty high on on these microphones, and in terms of um, you know energy consumption, uh, especially the uh, analog ones, uh, it doesn't use a, use up a lot of energy. So you can put it on uh, you know earbuds and and device you know, to, um, IoT devices uh, that aren't always plugged in. Um, and then there's a lot of DSP stuff and additional things that, that need to be plugged into the microphone. You know, once once that um, you know um, audio signal has been has been picked up, um, and of, of course the more kind of additional components you add, the more um, that requires additional energy. So so typically what I, what I've seen at least is that um, for the things like smartphones or automotive use cases, they generally stick to MEMS microphones that are analog because they, you know, they use up the least amount of energy. And um, for things like laptops or um, like smart speakers where you can actually plug them in, where you can use a bit more, um, uh, you know, like electrical power to, you know, to, um, uh, to power them, uh, you can have like a digital um, uh, uh, version of that, which uses a little bit more um, power. So it really is a question of, um, you know, uh, what, are the, what are the use cases? Um, uh, you know, do you need to manage things like beamforming and... Uh, you, you you need to so you know I think that's uh, uh, um, having more than one microphone is really necessary for this for this type of um, application, and then it's like can you plug the device in or or does it need to be low power? So um, you know typically you would go to one of these microphone companies and explain you know the type of device that you want to build and they would advise you on 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 which ones to use. Um, but yeah, they're really really high quality. I mean you've probably noticed this just by. If, if you use like voice memo or something on your iPhone, like mm. the recent I, the, the audio quality is excellent. I've, I've, I know artists who have recorded albums and, and used recordings from their iPhones in them, and yeah, which just with a bit of EQ compression and, and a bit of work, they can they can really wow. make a decent album out of that. So yeah, the microphones are, are pretty good. Wow, I've got a nice um, 
I haven't actually got it in my usually I've got it in my pocket, but it's um it's a sure S is it S V seventy or something? It's basically just a little sure microphone and it plugs into the bottom of the iPhone. And that's what I use when I do the videos outside. It's it's absolutely fantastic. It's genuinely unbelievable. I know the built in mics are fine, but with a bit of wind behind it, all of a sudden it's it's distorted and stuff. But that microphone is is fantastic. Um you mentioned beam farming there. I'm assuming that beam farming is when you have an array of microphones that are all processing a signal at a slightly different time. Is beam farming putting all of that back together to create one clean signal? I wonder if you can define what beam farming is. Yeah, so so in the context of um, uh, like uh, the automotive context with a car, uh, so you'll have like this array of microphones. So essentially, like like a, a microchip with these microphones, and generally it's placed in like in the center of the car. Um, so in, in this example, I'll put it at the front of the car. Uh, so you'll have uh, like maybe three microphones pointing in in different directions. So the one pointing towards the the driver's seat, and I'm. I live in France. I'm automatically thinking that it's on the left, but for you, it's going to be the other side. Um, uh, there'll be one pointing to the back and then one pointing to the passenger seat. And so essentially what the beamforming is, is uh, when the wake word um, gets detected, it will know which side it's coming from. So if it's from the, uh, the driver's seat, uh, you now know that the driver is speaking to the voice assistant. And then when the additional utterance comes, uh, what you can do is you can just focus on the audio going into that specific microphone, and any audio that's going into the other microphones can be used to attenuate you know, the, the background noise. So what that allows you to do is get a much cleaner signal from, from the microphone pointing to you know, whoever's actually speaking to, to the voice assistant. Right. So it's really it's really useful, especially in automotive. Um, interesting. So better have another drink. Actually, there, I said interesting. <laughs> yeah. So because because you would you would assume for, for those who have have never um, had anything to do with microphones microphone placement, voice technology, you would kind of just think, okay, I'm in the car, it's going to be noisy. Best thing to do is just put microphones everywhere. Just fill the whole place full of microphones. But from hearing you talk, it might not necessarily be about the amount or the number of microphones. It seems as though it's a little bit more about the placement of the microphones and being able to kind of discount signals coming from or, or no signal coming from the left hand side and, and amplify signals coming from the right hand side is it more about the placement of the microphones or, or is it more about the number of microphones well for, for, first of all i don't think the anyone involved in the voice assistant is necessarily involved in how the cars are designed themselves mm. so if you if you go back to a car manufacturer and you know, the the engineers and you say you need to put a microphone on the left on the right at the back <laughs> and you have to cable you know all the cables that they'd, they'd go completely nuts so the advantage of these uh, you know uh, microphone arrays is that it's just one chip and you just stick it somewhere and uh, you know the it, it picks up the audio from from various different zones in the car um, and yeah, so, so I don't think anyone would really want to plug in like twelve microphones in different areas of of the car. It wouldn't wouldn't be acceptable as a as a solution. Mm. Um, so I mean, the, the the way I see the whole beamforming thing is it, it's it's a bit like you're on you're on the phone in the car and um, you got your kids in the back, and while you're talking to someone. Um, like your your wife will put her hands over the kid's mouth and say like shut up so your dad's on the phone right so that that's 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 the way I kind of see it in my mind when I'm thinking about this stuff right that makes sense that makes sense so I think we've probably touched on a couple of the challenges that that are faced here one being that you don't have any control over in the car that is any control over the types of mics the placement of the mics and all that kind of stuff. 
is it Soundhound's job to to do that that beam forming piece when you get a signal coming through when it hits the microphone what's the relationship between the sound hitting the microphone array and then hitting Soundhound do you have any control over what you've just said there at beam forming and, and saying to the mic I, I only want to listen to this microphone now because this is where the signal is coming from how does the relationship between the mics and Soundhound work yeah, so so, so so it's a good question. So, so so typically we don't provide that technology to car manufacturers, and there, there's there's a good reason for that. It's because uh, the you know the audio um, uh, you know sig- the signal processing stuff is not um, limited to speech recognition. You know, it's, it's used for um, you know uh, uh, phone calling, so using you know like the the Bluetooth. Uh, set up so you can make a phone call. You know that's that's got nothing to do with the voice assistant. It's also used for the whole audio system of the car. You know, for like playing the radio and, and and listening to music and the loudspeakers and everything. So typically, there are companies that specialize in all of that audio stuff, and they provide you know um, uh, noise reduction or noise cancellation uh, algorithms and TSPs. Uh, they they provide the beam forming and uh, an echo cancellation and all of that type type of technology on top of other. Um, uh, components for 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 the the audio system, um, so you know we so we we typically use whatever the the car manufacturer is uh, licensing and, and and putting in the car when it comes to the you know echo cancellation and uh, and beamforming. We right. we we generally ask them to turn off the noise reduction. So you know, we, um, that's a, another thing that we can talk about. But yeah, the mm-hmm. we, the, the the two components that we do. Um, see as a positive in this environment is is the echo cancellation and and um, uh, and beam forming. Okay, that that makes sense then. So so what Soundhound receive is purely an audio signal that has been the DSP mentioned the dig, digital signal processes processing. Am I right? DSP. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 there's there's a manufacturer that comes in and and puts the microphone array in there that handles all of the beam form and all that kind of stuff presumably that then just takes a processed signal once it's done its job and then hands that off to to your back end yeah yeah and why why then while we're on we'll finish wrap up on, on this front end bit and then we'll get into the challenges that you've got on the actual processing of it but what why do you say to turn off noise what is noise reduction in this environment and why do you advise uh, the manufacturers to turn that off yeah, so the answer to that question will make a lot more sense once I've explained, you know, how you know how we manage on on the back end. But um, okay. well, let's do that first, and let's let's do that. No, first. but I, I but I can answer it to a certain degree. So the so the noise yeah. reduction is really useful in the car. Like like I said, if if you make a phone call and you use the microphone in the car, you're going to get a lot of background noise, and it's not pleasant, you know, to 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 hear all of that engine noise um, when you're on the phone. So so essentially, that noise reduction is really useful for for that use case. Um, but when it comes to um, the way our technology works, we actually, and, and we this, we can get into this in more more detail. We actually train uh, our ASR to manage the noise, and so there's this expression that I really hate, which is throwing the baby out with uh, with the bathwater. But it's it's essentially, yeah, if if the noise reduction is applied. It can actually remove some of the uh, the some of the information that we actually need to do our job. So it can, it's it, so it can actually do more harm than good to, to to apply noise reduction, at least as far as our technology is concerned. So it might be different for for for, for other companies, but definitely uh, for, for for us, we prefer the noise uh, reduction to be removed. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Then. So so 
that's probably that's it's interesting somebody have a drink uh because <laughs> because uh the there's a lot of stuff that is totally outside of your control um and that stuff is sometimes the stuff that is the thing that has the impact on the customer experience sometimes mm-hmm. when when people say oh alexa's a lot of rubbish it never hears what i say it's not always that it doesn't hear what you say. Perhaps it's because of the background noise. Perhaps it's because of that signal processing issue. And so how, how do you, um, well, there's nothing you can do. I don't suppose in that fact that that's just probably part and parcel of, of the arrangement. Is it that, that sometimes there may be a negative customer experience because of the elements of the, that you can't control, or is it that you do do some post processing that tries to make up for, you know, like a weak signal or, or something like that. Yeah, so so it's not exactly post processing, but, but but first of all, I mean, we we all have to manage with background noise. So you know, if you have kids, you know, unwanted background noise is part of your life, right? So, um, so, so as, yeah, so as, <laughs> as humans, we manage that really well. So um, uh, I mean, I think there's there's sometimes a misconception about how. Um, how easy what we do as you know that what we do as humans is right so um i i like the example of robotics companies and you know we've seen some amazing videos um over the last few months of these robots that can jump and 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 do all sorts of crazy stuff but it took them forever to teach these robots to walk and you know for us as humans it's just really natural we just put one foot in front of the other without thinking about it and um we're actually really good a distinguishing between you know human speech and other sources of noise and we do that you know we have two ears we kind of hear sound in in 3d and everything um but we don't really give it a second thought you know because it's because it just comes easy to us until we start getting older <laughs> and it, you know we're like oh I'm having trouble hearing things and essentially, yeah, everything starts shutting down and your ears just don't work as well as they used to. Um, but essentially your ears work just as well as they did before. What, what you're having trouble doing is, uh, you know, that, that algorithm in your brain is having trouble, um, you know, switch, you know, switch, kind of switching things off and, uh, and tuning out that background noise that that's, that's what becomes more difficult, um, uh, as we get older. Um, so, so essentially what we do at SoundHound is, and this is much like our speech to meaning technology, where we're trying to mimic how, how humans will, um, kind of perceive, um, speech, you know, we don't just take, um, speech recognition converts, you know, speech to text and, and then apply NLU. Uh, you know, we have this, uh, approach of combining NLU and, and, uh, uh, and speech recognition, uh, with our, you know, speech to meaning approach. And so we're trying to do exactly the same thing with noise. So essentially, you know, there are three ways of managing this. One is prevent the noise from getting into the microphone. So you see this, uh, pop filter I've got on my, uh, uh here, uh, that essentially prevents, you know, plosives from and that kind of noise from, from going into the microphone. Phone. You know, obviously, as, whatever you can do to do that, and beamforming is one way of doing that. Avoid the noise getting in. The second is, you know, all of the noise reduction stuff, like removing the noise. And you know, as I said, as I've said, that's not the approach that we take. And the third is just deal with it. You know, with our approach is to figure out how to recognize and identify speech in in a signal, and you know, do the best we can with it, regardless of how much noise it, it comes with. And so that's our approach. Um, so it's probably worth explaining the, the difference between the two main components of speech recognition. Um, I'm, I'm sure most people listening here, you know, know all this stuff, but um, 
uh, it, I think it's worth explaining because the, that that really makes sense. Like um, uh, when, when I explain what we what we do to kind of manage the noise. So mm. we, with ASI, you know, there are two main components. One is the language model, and the other is the acoustic model. Um, so essentially, the acoustic model is is the first component which receives you know a, a sound signal. It tries to identify speech patterns in in, in that signal um, and convert those speech patterns into phonemes. Um, and you know, again, as humans, we do that really well. So if uh, if you're listening to music, uh, you, you said you said earlier when we we talked that you um, that you dabbled in music, right? Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. So I remember when I first started music lessons at school, everything kind of blurred into just kind of like a um, like a kind of like a blob of musical instruments. Mm. And I would just remember this exercise that we did in my first music lesson, which was identifying like the, the trumpet and, and, and trying to uh, just identify the bass, uh, you know, the bass line. And I couldn't do it because it all sounded the same to me, but identifying the, the actual singing in, in the music is really easy. Um, but what, where we have trouble sometimes is converting, you know, that's um, like singing into actual lyrics. Um, and uh, have you heard of Beck Hill? She's a comedian. I don't know. I might recognize her face, but I don't recognize the name. So, so she has a sketch where she, she has like a, a flipboard and uh, she takes like really famous songs and she purposely mishears the lyrics <laughs> and, and, and it's, and it's hilarious. Right. So, you know, we don't have any context or anything, but, but what we're, what we're really good as, as humans is, is, you know, understanding that there's a, there's a voice in there and differentiating it from, from the music. Um, but actually converting that into the real lyrics without any context, without knowing what, you know, what the song is about. Um, you know, I, I remember completely mishearing songs and there, there, there are lots of websites that um, kind of, make fun of, of that type of thing um I've, I've misheard songs uh so much that literally years later hearing it again and it clicks there's literally lyrics in like old rap songs from years ago that i thought said one thing and i don't listen to them for 10 years and i hear it again and i think i had no idea that they were saying that yeah. <laughs> So, so your acoustic model was working fine. It was the language model. So essentially, yeah, the acoustic right. model converts it to phonemes. So I think there's a, there's a, uh, there are a couple of good examples of where this can be challenging. So if you, if you look at like the phonemes, um, I, sir, k, r, e, m, that's uh, like ice, ice cream. Mm-hmm. And so what, what would you say that, how would you spell that? How would I, I-C-E-C-R-E-A-M? No, uh, I was actually saying what I did on Sunday when Tottenham um, uh, beat Manchester City. Ice cream. I, uh, right, cream. Yeah. <laughs> nice so, ice cream. So, yeah, yeah. so the acoustic model uh, converts it to phonemes. And then once you have the, the phonemes, the language model is what turns it into real words and sentences and, and everything. Um, so when we do all of this like tuning and customization, we focus uh, almost exclusively on the acoustic model. So we, we don't really do any customization for custom customer projects with um, with the language model. It's, it's, it's purely on the acoustic side. Interesting. Let's have another drink. Someone's, get, <laughs> someone's gonna be drunk by now. All right. Okay. Mm. Showing you. If this was, if this was actually vodka, I would be, uh, I would be in real trouble. Um, yeah. Okay. Then that makes that makes sense. So, so there is, there's the acoustic model and the language model. You post, you you receive a signal from whatever the hardware is. Could be a mobile phone. Could be a car. Could be a quick service restaurant. Uh, outdoor speaker or whatever it is that signal comes to you um, 
there's the acoustic model that tries to pick out the the language part of it. So how how does it? And I suppose this is actually related to uh, Chimes' uh, question. How then does it actually differentiate between the speech and the and the background sort of noise? Because it's easy it's easy for us as humans, as you say, it's easy for us to kind of do that. But to a machine, it's just a whole bunch of frequencies. Uh, so, so what, what, what's the, how, how does a machine that knows nothing all of a sudden able to isolate speech in an audio signal? So in exactly the same way that you and I can recognize speech when it's accompanied by a train passing by a car passing by dogs barking and so on, we, we automatically, um, you know, eliminate that from, from, from our uh, perception of it. Right. So, so what we do is we train our acoustic models with the noise so we, what we say is uh, this sentence of someone saying, you know, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog in, includes all of this noise, this background noise. And so, you know, um, our standard models include things like, so we call it babble. So it's essentially it's like kind of unwanted background speech. And that's particularly difficult because, you know, you're trying to teach this algorithm to recognize and identify human speech. And at the same time, you're trying to tell it, well, yeah, actually, there's just one specific person that I I want to listen to, and all this, uh, you know, all these other voices I want to ignore, right? So, so we have to teach it that that you can have one voice and then uh, a voice, you know, several voices underneath it that you want to completely ignore. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to train it with back, you know, unwanted background speech that we call babble. Um, but yeah, you know, it can be anything like you know dogs uh, dogs barking. I was actually worried earlier because my neighbors came back and their dog just barks all the time, and you, know, you get people doing DIY and stuff. And so, um, so so yeah, we just kind of have to cut through that noise by including it in in our models. Um, so the first thing that we do is that we, um, uh, as a developer, you can switch between different acoustic models on the fly. So if you have um, uh, a device that can be both near field and far field, so the near field is you're very close to the microphone, and then the far field is like a you know a, um, a smart speaker. You can be several meters away. Um, depending on the microphone uh, that the, the picks up the voice, you can send it to a different endpoint. So essentially, you, know, you can switch acoustic models. So you're sending it to the, to, to, to the right one. Um, so... You know, we, we, we train our acoustic models on all of these different sources of noise. And I think you had some specific questions about the types of noise, because I think in the article mm. you read there was like additive. So what I'm saying now, this is additive noise, right? So essentially it's you've got the signal that you're trying to identify, and then you've got all of this kind of parasite noise uh, that's added on top of it. Um, so that's that's additive noise. And so we add a lot of that. Um, right. And then there's the convolutional. So, so, sorry. sorry. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to convolutional. Um, so that would mean then, if someone wants to create a acoustic model for a quick service restaurant, you will need to go and get literal audio samples of people sit, sitting in a car outside a quick service restaurant making orders. Basically, that's what we're saying. You're, you're gathering that noise, this the examples of the noise that you, the additive noise that you want to try and isolate or get rid of you would have to go and get load of training data from that environment to then train the models. That's right. So if, if we, know, if we um, see that the, the acoustic model isn't performing in an optimal way in that new use case, then yes, yes, it could be worth collecting that data. Um, but typically we, ha- we have, would have already collected a lot of data in those environments. So specifically cars, um, 
uh, so, so yeah, I mentioned like the standard stuff that we um, uh, that we train with. Uh, but for you know specific use cases like cars, we're going to add uh, indicator noise. We're going to add um, uh, AC engine noise at different speeds. Uh, so so I think there was this notion of like linear versus nonlinear. So mm. um, so have you got noise cancellation headphones? Uh, I don't actually. No, I'm a bit behind the times with it. The, these are the old traditional uh, wired cans, mm. and the other thing I have is AirPods, which are the opposite of noise cancelling because <laughs> they're just absolutely. You can't even hear the signal coming through them half the time, let alone the noise yeah. around you. Well, the, the anyway. Air, AirPods Pro have have uh, noise cancellation. All right, so, fair we, so, so, so when you when you go in a plane and you get up to kind of cruising speed, the uh, the frequencies emitted by the um, uh, the engine are pretty constant, right? So it's uh, so it's really linear, which means that the noise cancellation uh, technology can kind of um, uh, identify that and remove it because it because it's really constant. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that's 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 stuff that's the uh, like with a, with a car, you know, you're shifting gears, and so you're going from like thirty miles an hour to fifty to sixty, and those frequencies are you know changing kind of constantly. So what we do is we collect data at different speeds. So you have all of that engine noise uh, that's uh, and it's and the model has been trained at different speeds. So you've got the right. engine noise at different speeds. You've got the indicators, the windscreen wipers, and then different driving conditions so there can be rain and i actually have i have some samples on this gadget that i showed you earlier so i can, mm. I can play some of these for you as well if, in a minute yeah um and so all of you know all of these different sources of noise are, are, are mixed with um uh the voice recordings uh, in an ideal world we need people speaking into the microphone accompanied by the background noise and that's because of a, a thing called the Lombard effect. And I've, I've got some samples that I can play of that as well. So are you aware, do you, have you heard of that thing of the Lombard effect? I've heard of the Lombard effect. Uh, it might be worth explaining it. I can't recall specifics. So essentially if you just mix some, like a, a clean recording of someone with the background noise, all you've got is someone speaking in a quiet environment with the background noise. Whereas in real life, when someone is in that environment, they will modify how they speak. Um, and I think a good example of that is if, if you enter like a restaurant, um, like a 5 p.m. or something, and it's really quiet, you know, your voice will be much lower. You can even whisper and, and, and have a conversation. That's fine. But as people you know, come in and, 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 and you know, there are more and more tables and everything, uh, the noise gets louder and you will then start you know, getting a slightly higher pitched voice and the frequencies of your voice change. Um, so essentially we have to take uh, that into consideration as well because uh, you know, when you're at a much higher speed in the car and the windows are open and everything, the frequencies that you em- emit from your voice will also change. It's not just the amplitude. It's just not the, you're not just speaking louder. The actual frequency range changes as well. Wow, that is, that is interesting. So You need to take a I need to take a drink. <laughs> Next time, we should do a part two and bring a few beers along for this. Sounds good. Uh, <laughs> so, noise cancellation headphones, correct me if I'm wrong, but they work by kind of inverting the signal, don't they? So, if a, if a sound wave starts here and, and goes up and down like that, then the noise cancelling headphones would reverse that signal so that the wave goes the opposite way around and then that's what cancels it out. Is that is that right? Yeah, except the up and down thing is it's it, it, generally it's as I said it's it's pretty constant, right? So you have this frequency range. Um, so 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 you, you, like human voices are within a certain range of frequencies. Um, so when it comes to you know background noise like fan 
noises and AC and uh, like the rumbling of a plane, uh, there are frequencies there that just just don't match up with the human voice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, what you can do is you can you can uh, you can throw those out, and as you, as you said, um, it, it sends sends them back to kind of cancel them out. But what I'm saying is, it's a lot easier uh, to identify those frequencies, remove them without. Um, interfering with the voice signal than mm. it is some other sources of sounds. Uh, and this is like the nonlinear stuff where um, where you actually get, you know, it comes in and out and covers some of the same frequencies. Right. Um, so you'll see that with noise cancellation headphones that, you know, it, it really cuts out the, that background noise. But if you like, you've got to have a kid, you know, screaming next to you or, or baby crying or something, those kind of noises will, will actually, um, it won't be able to cancel them out because it's much more difficult to do that. Yeah. So to, 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 to use another example from the kind of music um, kind of industry or music production, sometimes you get masking, don't you? Where you would have, let's say there's a, a singer singing at a certain frequency and a guitar that comes in at a certain frequency. Sometimes there's overlapping frequencies where, where one will mask the other. And so the guitar you won't hear as much because the singer frequencies are kind of, conflicting or, or overlapping or what have you is that what you have to deal with is this kind of masking effect where some of the background noise is actually at the same frequency as the speaker and therefore it's it's very difficult to kind of pull the two apart is that yeah. is that right well I mean, my first comment was if you have a good sound engineer you won't you know those, those frequencies won't be <laughs> fighting against each other between the, the vocals and the guitar and you know and if you choose the instruments uh, you know in an optimal way you, know, you get bass and and so on you can have it kind of spread out across the the spectrum but yeah essentially that's it like we, those types of noises interfere with uh, the speech recognition engine because there's there's no easy way of uh, of uh, you know canceling them and, and, and removing them so again that's that's why what we do i, I actually had i thought about this the other day and i had I assume you've used captures before, right? Like the on websites and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the um, it's like if if you have you know we purposely try and kind of mask the 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 series of letters that you know the sequence of of letters and you're supposed to type Mm. it in. I get it wrong sometimes. So like I always always get it wrong. Impossible. Yeah. So so essentially, we're supposed to uh, recognize like the word hello. Um, but there, there are like additional squiggly lines that have been added to it to make to make to make it purposely kind of difficult. Um, and so that's kind of the situation that we're in. Is that it's not like there's a blue line that kind of cuts across. You can still see the word, um, but there's like just you know kind of colored in at the bottom. And you're like, oh, well, I can still see it says hello, but you've got all this stuff that kind of interferes with it. Um, and so that's that, that's what makes it difficult. So what what we do with our acoustic models is we try and teach. The you know the the acoustic model to recognize uh, the words that we're trying to recognize regardless of how much how much noise and, and the type of noise that that, that is be, being um, mixed with it. Right. So you said you got some samples to play. Yeah. Us. Yeah. Sure. Um, Should we have a listen to some of those? Yeah. Sure. I know, I know that I know that it's uh, there might be some some switching over and so on. So maybe we'll we'll you can kind of intro the sample. Yeah, and I'll then do that. Switch and then we can have a listen. So I'll, I'll play a series of uh, five samples. So the first one will be uh, in a in a car idle, so you know it's not going anywhere. Uh, the second one will be at thirty miles per hour, but with the fan off. Um, the third one is thirty miles per hour, but with the fan on. Uh, and then there'll be sixty-five miles per hour with the fan off, and then sixty-five with the windows open. 
Okay. And what, what you should see is, especially, and, and I'll try and play the, the first and the fifth one um, back to back at the end, mm-hmm. is that you'll hear that Lombard effect because the, 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 the voice is much higher in the last one where there's this background noise. So I'll, right. I'll, play, I'll play them all one after the other. Okay. Wake me up at 7.45 p.m. Right. So that was working. That's good. Yeah. Now we get to Starbucks nearby that are open now. Okay. A lot of low rumbling. Turn on FM radio. Hear the voice change. I'm too hot. Calculate the mortgage rate of a $200,000 house. Wake me up at 7.45. Calculate the mortgage rate of a $200,000 house. Interesting. That last one there, she's shouting almost mm-hmm. and it sounds i don't know how you'd recorded them but it sounds as though she's a lot further away yeah exactly so it's exactly the same conditions except that the you know the the windows open um and uh it's uh you know, try she, she she's not even thinking about it but she's trying to cut through the noise because uh, yeah. her, her uh, you know her ears are hearing all of this this noise and she's uh, just adapting to the uh, to the environment wow so how do you recognize that on the fly? Then you mentioned that this is something that you can do on the fly, switching different acoustic models. Let's say that, um, you know, let's say that that lady there was using her phone in the car, not the built-in uh, assistant. So one minute she's in the car and it's quiet. The next minute she's in the car and it's loud. The next minute she's outside and there's traffic. How do you pick that up on the fly? Yeah, so so the um, switching on the fly is generally for um, far field and near field because they are very right. different. Um, right. So, I mean, there are um, there are challenges with near field that you don't get with the the, the far field stuff. So, we, you know, we mentioned convolutional uh, noise. So that's typically stuff that you'll get with far field. So essentially, it's um, you know I'm speaking right now. My voice is going directly into the microphone, so the sound waves are going in, but they're also hitting the wall and coming back at the same time. So convolutions is is essentially um, like a reverb on the voice coming from the environment uh, uh, that you're in. Right. Um, uh, so for far field, um, uh, it's generally a separate model. When it comes to near field, the issues that you get is uh, you know distortion. Um, uh, and uh, I think, yeah, the, again, the, the article that I'm kind of reverting back to, because that was a starting point for this conversation, mm. mentioned um, like nonlinear distortion. So what, the reason why that's difficult is you, know, you, can, you can distort everything and then teach the acoustic model to you know, recognize um, uh, you know, the, the, the voice utterance in there. Uh, but when it's just one kind of phoneme that's been distorted and the rest is kind of normal, that's where it gets difficult. And that's what happens with the um, uh, near field stuff because you know you get too close to the microphone. Obviously, you want a heart, you, you want a, a signal that's as loud as possible. And you know this happens in music and you know when you're recording in recording studios, you want the cleanest, loudest signal. But sometimes you go above zero dB and it saturates and it distorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that kind of thing can happen. So that's why we have separate models for. Um, far field and near field, uh, but when it comes to like all of this uh, background noise, we train the model on all of it, right? So essentially, it's it's going to it's going to be able to um, perform at sixty five miles per hour and thirty, or you know, in a parking garage, um, in a basement or something, and and you know, all of that noise has been included in the acoustic model. Right. Okay. Then. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so for for, for so distortion basically is 
a signal hitting the microphone that's too loud and therefore what ends up happening is it kind of clips doesn't it so rather than the signal being being captured cleanly if it's too loud you end up chopping some of the audio kind of off a little bit and so it gets kind of distorted um and then you've, there's other processing things that you know for, to go back to the music example again you know there's a lot of processing that's done when you when you produce a, a song for example obviously you don't want a distorted signal uh you want it to be as loud as possible and therefore there's, there's been a big trend hasn't they over the last sort of like decade or 15 years of kind of everything being compressed to get it as loud as possible and, and for those who are not familiar essentially when you compress something you take the very loud bits and you squash them so that the quiet bits essentially become a very similar sort of loudness and so do you do anything like that like processing on the audio to try and clean it up like you know aside from the filtering that you might have mentioned to take away the low-end rumbles and all that kind of stuff do you do anything to process the audio at all you know either compression or any other things to it that that kind of help you so, so as you mentioned a lot of that processing um uh that's that, that's done on um audio for, for for music is for our pleasure right it's it's uh i mean the loudness wars were for like um you know ra- uh, songs being played on the radio so you know the louder it was you know <laughs> the more you drown out everyone else um yeah um but but essentially the the audience for that you know the people the the people who are going to listen to it are human beings so it's done for us um what we what our purpose is is to take someone's utterance and make sense out of it so we don't necessarily need to make it sound good you know so we 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 just want to deal with it as it is uh and ensure that we we correctly interpret the utterance of the user Um, so all of that compression stuff isn't, isn't, um, really necessary uh, for, you know, for speech recognition. It is when you're speaking to someone on the phone, right? Where you want to have the best sounding voice or like what, what, you know, as we're talking now, that, that, Mm. that, that's important. Okay. That's interesting. Um, this is kind of relevant to some of the stuff we've been discussing. Uh, Chime again, and apologies if I'm mispronouncing your name, uh, is asking about how how or if it's possible to differentiate from different speakers. So you mentioned that, you know, you're in the car, the kids are screaming in the back, that one person's talking to the voice assistant, but the same can be the case if you're in a crowded place and you've got your phone and you're trying to talk to the voice assistant on your phone, but there's lots of other people talking around you. How, how how is how because presumably they're all going to be talking at very similar frequencies because they're all people they've mm-hmm. all probably got similar kind of frequencies how, how is is that a challenge at all no of course so, so there are different ways of doing that so so one is kind of like a, an anonymous way of doing it uh, based on kind of spatial parameters so that's with, where the beam forming comes in so essentially whoever triggers the the wake word first will then kind of get all of the attention from from the microphone array. So the microphone will then lock into wherever that person is. So if it's the driver, they've just you know said the wake word, they start talking to you know to, to the voice assistant until they've finished that conversation, everything else is is ignored. Um, so that's that's one way of doing it. and that's useful also for you know multi-zone um, use cases person in the passenger seat or the back uh, triggers the wake word and says you know I'm cold um, can you turn the heating up and it will do that specifically in that zone of the car um, there are other ways of specifically identifying you know a, a specific person um, and uh, so and, and that's generally with the wake word technology uh, so it, it generally requires um, enrolling the users so if we're thinking 
you know, like this is a, you know, members of a family, you can ask each member of the family to say the wake word a few times. And then when that person says the wake word, you actually identify them and recognize them. Um, so that's, that, that's another way of ensuring uh, that the response is kind of appropriate for who, whoever is, is actually talking to the voice assistant. Mm, that's it. Yeah. I'll get that. Interesting. So, that that's yeah that's fantastic that i love i love the sort of amount of detail that that goes into it i mean it's not as i said i was going to play the video at the beginning but i didn't get oh. around to it obviously because my, my computer crashed but uh initially when i when we did the video that was kind of promoting this uh this talk it was saying that we kind of take all of this for granted you just invoke a smart speaker you get in the car you know um i I was going to mention earlier on as well when you're talking about the partners that you work with i know that you've worked with mercedes because we had uh mihai antonescu on on the show talking about how the partnership came about and and all that kind of stuff so i'd recommend people check that out as well so but you you can take all that stuff for granted as well as what i was kind of saying You, you just expect it to work and you don't really stop and think about how on earth when i'm driving down the motorway does this thing still hear what I'm saying and still be able to respond to me properly? Um, and so I really appreciate you spending the time to walk us through it because it's it's especially from someone who has a kind of love of audio uh, from from the decades gone by and stuff like that. I found it absolutely fascinating to, to delve into the details. So I really, really, really appreciate your time and, and for joining us and and sharing that wisdom with us. Great. Well, yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was uh, it was great to to chat about this. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Next time we'll definitely do it with beers. Uh, and every time I every time I say interesting, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to have a drink and we'll have to cut, put some sort of like uh, I don't know placement in in for you there. You can mention something like every time you say Soundhound, uh, <laughs> someone's got to have a drink. Uh, but where can people find out more about Soundhound? Uh, it, it you know if there's people tuning in now and they are working on as will be the case and will continue to be the case over the next kind of few years voice is obviously leaving the home uh, as it has been on mobile anyway and, and more brands are going to be looking at putting voice solutions in place in stores as they start to open up in those quick service restaurants and in, in different kind of environments so where can those folks uh, or people who are just generally interested in learning more about soundhound where can where can they go to, to learn a bit more about it so houndify.com uh, is, is, is where they can learn more about our technology. Uh, we also have a blog, um, so the, the, the Soundhound blog. Uh, there are tons of articles on there. I think that's, you know, that's how I ended up on this, uh, this, this, this podcast. But we, yeah, we have a lot of uh, really interesting content. And uh, it's not all you know, people from Soundhound bringing other, other experts from, from the voice industry. Um, so yeah, our blog or, um, or houndify.com. Fantastic. I can vouch for that blog. It is, it is very good. Karen uh, and the team do an absolutely immense job at, at that. It's not just blogs. I think you've undersold it a little bit there because it's uh, some of them are blogs, but some of them are properly put together pieces of content that have got all kinds of different components and all kinds of different subsections. And they're almost like interactive white papers, some of them, I would say. They're absolutely fantastic. So I would definitely check out. I recommend you check that out as well. Yeah, um, they do a great job. Yeah, they do. They absolutely do. Um, and and you mentioned at the very end there, you touched on wake word detection. We haven't got into wake word detection uh, in this conversation because it was a, a mighty conversation in its own right. Uh, but joining us uh, again from Soundhound is Darren Clark, who is going to be joining us in a couple of weeks' time to get into that wake word detection uh, conversation. So if you are not already subscribed to the VUX World uh, newsletter, then please do so. It's at vux.world and all of our live shows, you'll find out what 
what's coming up. You'll find you'll get the, the replays and the run-throughs, as well as anything else that we publish as well uh, in terms of insights and, and guidance on how to do this kind of stuff properly. Andrew, it's been an absolute pleasure. Next time we do this, we'll definitely bring some beers. Great. It's been absolutely immense. Thank you Thanks, very much. Ken. Cheers. Bye. Bye now.